Once again, dear listeners, I beg your indulgence as I update you on the ongoing investigation into what exactly happened on the night of the hurricane. It pains me to tell you that I have no further information. The investigation is ongoing. We are following all leads. We will keep you informed should anything develop in the case. I know nothing. I might as well begin the regularly scheduled broadcast. Computer, open file sage 1201.0766.omega1. Greetings and welcome to the audio etheric transmission, The Tales of Sage and Savant, a Twin Star production. This broadcast is brought to you on the first of each month from the Twin Star Studios in sunny Southern California. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Mix Abigail Entwistle, and myself, Justin Bremer, as your humble narrator. This month's program, entitled Circus of Dreams, is sponsored by Edge Science Fiction and Fantasy Publishing and features the music of the Nathaniel Johnstone Band. And now, without further ado, we bring you the tales of Sage and Savant. Come with me and conquer time. Transmigration journeys expand your mind. The past and future are a week since last we saw our doctor, and her enthusiasm for her new laboratory has not waned. In fact, she has found more to be pleased with in every hour of work spent in her glass house temple to science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, boom mm-hmm, boom mm-hmm, boom and yes, we have boom all been suffering with that little earworm from the past. While the doctor is happily engaged in her new and improved laboratory, her friends are less happily engaged in the office below. But Abigail, transmigration provides a doorway into knowledge that has no parallel. How can you, a scholar and a scientist, deny the opportunities it presents? I do not deny those opportunities, Professor. I just do not choose in and of myself to partake in them. And yet your friend, the doctor, has brought the science to a new era. No longer are we at the mercy of a violent death to an act of return. Surely, now that we can be recalled on a schedule, your fears are calmed and your curiosity is piqued. I admit to have some small measure of curiosity, yes. But as me ma'am always said, curiosity killed the cat, so I will not be <laughs> indulging in it. Besides, there is no one else who can remain behind to ensure that your corporeal forms remain functioning properly. No one else who could bring transmigrationists home safely if the machinery malfunctions. No, 
I think I shall not accompany you and the doctor on this latest adventure. I still believe that you should transmigrate with us, but I cannot fault your dedication to duty. Well then, shall we adjourn upwards? Of course, the professor's enthusiasm might dim a bit were he prepared for the changes to the Faraday armor his good friend the doctor has instituted after consultation with a contact of Calypso's. The mysterious face of the Chargé de Fer has introduced Sage to an American physician by the name of Murphy who is doing pioneering work in the field of forced nutrition and insensible patients. His unique ideas for the delivery of nutritional enemas through a slow drip mechanism are showing great promise for the maintenance of coma patients and the like. You want me to stick this into my bum? Yes. And because of this, I must now lie with my feet in these stirrups. Yes, so that your body remains in the best positioning for the clockwork. The clockwork that will remove the tube from my bum. Yes, and reposition it every day to provide your body with nutrition. It is awkward, I know, but I could not quite work out how to deliver the nutrition and remove waste simultaneously without the risk of infection. <sighs> Abigail will be changing the bags of nutrients and swapping clean nozzles for each of us every day whilst we are away. I hope one day to make the whole system automatic. Yes, well... There must be a more comfortable way than this. Oh, cheer up, Professor. Nutritional enemas have a long history of success, starting with the second-century physician Claudius Gallinus. Oh, but your Gallinus was a philosopher as well as a scientist. He felt that in order to diagnose, one must observe and reason. An exhortation to stop and think, which might do well to be heated around here. <laughs> there is no shortage of reasoning in this laboratory, I can assure you. Shall we suit up? And soon all is in readiness, and our pair of adventurers have taken their place on the plinths, ready to venture once again outwards in time. And where are we off to today, Petra? I'm continuing to work on my ability to pinpoint errors and attempting to clarify positional targeting as well. I've set my trajectory for 1880, and if my calculations are correct, once again to the American Southwest. Doctor, I have everything in order for a one-month trip. Recall is set for New Year's Eve at the stroke of midnight, as per your request. Max Cunningham and Dr. McLeish have been informed you are away for your winter holidays. I shall be checking in daily to refresh the nutrient bottles and to confirm that all clockwork and mechanical systems are performing to standard. Thank you, Abigail. Now, I'll just record my notes. <clears throat> Laboratory of Dr. Petronella Sage, King's College, 1st December 1894. With the successful first test of the recall mechanism last week, I am anxious to expand upon my control of the length and trajectory of the transmigration journey. To this end, I have selected a near-history destination of 1880 using the Ionian mode pitch of E-flat 4 with harmonics of G4 and D5. To the end of safely expanding the time we can spend in the past, I have employed the research of John Benjamin Murphy into the efficacy of enteral nutrition. In order to test these theories, we shall undertake a month-long journey. I am enthused by the remit to stay alive in another's body rather than seek the release of death. What things shall we learn when the fear of returning to our own lives has been muted?
And so our friends once again endure partial death by electrocution as the doctor's apparatus works as designed, using a tide of electrical violence to rip their consciousnesses from their bodies and fling them across time and space. When they come to awareness once again, it is in far less clinical conditions. Uh, what is that fishy smell? Oh, I don't know. But we seem to have been very ill. Oh, I have been. Oh, I feel as if I've been kicked in the stomach. Where are we? Oh, I do not think we have time to figure that out. I am severely dehydrated, my head is spinning, and my stomach is in, oh, full revolt. I, I need to discover what killed us in quick, or we'll just die again before we get started. Here, let me open that door and get some light so I can look at you. Rice water. Oh, Erasmus, all of these buckets are filled with rice water. We have the cholera. God, we won't come back from that. I'll be damned if that is the case. We need food and... Oh, water. Lactic acid. Oh, the kitchens. I need to find the kitchen. Stay sharp, Petra. Tabs! Hildy! We thought she was scholars for sure. Oh, who are you, young lady? Well, <laughs> I ain't no lady, that's for darn shirts. It's Jenny, Hildy. Mule Jenny, queen of the stubborn beasts. Yes, well, Jenny, it seems that myself and Aras... Uh, tubs here have taken quite ill with the cholera. We need food and drink, uh, brandy, rice pudding, sourdough bread sopped in milk, uh, boiled water, salt, sugar, and a mashed banana. Go! Okay! Okay! Cholera is one of the worst intestinal parasites to afflict humankind. In my time, we have completely wiped it from existence, but in the barbaric and unsanitary past, the bug was deadly and far-reaching. Cholera thrives where human waste meets water sources. Much like the muck-filled waters that the riverboat our adventurers have landed upon plies. As a historian, it always fascinates me how willing people are to live in filth. The ancient Romans demonstrated the health and cultural value to be gained from a clean water source, but civilization after civilization still falls to disease and improper treatment of sewage. <coughs> oh, oh, I am not well. Oh. No. You are not, and there will be a deal more where that came from before you are, I'm afraid. The human body can dispel as much as 20 liters of diarrhea each day. Five gallons? How can that be possible? Our bodies are made of water, Erasmus. Uh, cholera must be beaten by hydration and nutrition, since we must eat and drink in order to conquer this sickness, and any amount of eating or drinking will contribute to the fluids that we can expel. Oh, I'm afraid we're in for an unpleasant few days. <laughs> She is right. They will need to consume about 10% of their body weight to counter the effects of the infection. 
they will expel a good part of that in a violent and unpleasant manner, and then must consume again. And because of that, I think we shall skip ahead. Our temporal explorers have found themselves in the bodies of performers in a traveling circus troupe circa 1880. The doctor's trajectories were for the most part accurate, although I believe the Mississippi River Basin qualifies as the Southwest by only the most generous of cartographers. As for the characters our heroes have occupied, Hildy Hot Pants Hoffman is the type of scrappy frontier girl who lives by her wits and her looks with little regard to societal views of propriety. She is wife and assistant to Thibault Tubbs Durand, a French Creole fancy man turned showman with a specialty for juggling lighted torches, shooting apples from the heads of volunteers, and throwing knives with great accuracy. They are full-share performing members in a small-time traveling show, Camp's Grand Southern Circus, E.N. Camp, Proprietor. Whilst most circuses of this era chose to winter in warm southern climes such as Florida, Camp had discovered a unique way to perform through the winter, touring via steamboat through the southern waters of the Delta. Disembarking and pitching tents in such backwater places brought a surprising success to the small outfit. Traveling by river also gave the outfit flexibility. If the weather was mild, they could progress further north. If bitter, they could retreat to New Orleans. Will Sage and Savant be able to recuperate from the cholera and integrate successfully with their performing brethren? We'll find out after this short musical break. And now, dear friends, we invite you to listen to the talented melodical expressions of the Nathaniel Johnstone Band. The world has too many hats, so I've heard it said. Of all shapes and sizes, there's a hat for every head. Happy hats for happy heads, sun hats for the sun. Hats for when you're working, and hats for when you're done. But the one too many have had of mystery and dread is the awful, terrible, dubious hat, the one that wants your head. It lurks in darkened corners, it hides under your bed It waits for you to look away Then it leaps upon your head It grips with teeth of felt, it drags you out of doors It shows you off to everyone, you're helpless as it roars I am the dubious hat, and this is now my head I'll wear it now, forevermore, I'll wear it until it's dead the world has too many hats, so I've heard it said Of all shapes and sizes, there's a hat for every head Happy hats for sad heads, brave hats for frightened heads Confident hats for shy heads, and alas, all too often The wrong hats for the wrong heads And the one too many hath had of mystery and dread is the awful, terrible, dubious hat The one that wants your head It lurks in darkened corners It hides under your bed It waits for you to look away Then it leaps upon your head It grips with teeth of felt It drags you out of doors It shows you off to everyone You're helpless as it roars I am the dubious hat this is now my head. I'll wear it now forevermore. I'll wear it until it's dead. 
After all that I have seen and read And all that has been said There is no hat in all the world Like the one that's in your head And if it fits, that's great for you But if it don't, here's what you do Find that dubious hat post-haste And give that something new a taste Cause that one too many is hat Of which much has been left unsaid That not-so-terrible dubious hat Just might be one that fits your head. And now, back to our story. When we left our pair of adventurers, they were attempting to flush the evils of Vibrio Colore from their systems. It has taken them five days, and the morning has dawned on a shaky but determined doctor. Come along, Tubbs. We won't regain our strength lounging about in bed all day. I'm not entirely certain I wouldn't benefit from one more day of bed, my dear. Nonsense. Up and at him. It is time we face the dawn and determine our roles here. Jenny told us our roles. You look ravishing and flirt with the punters to get them to part with their coin, and... I throw knives and lighted torches and other dangerous levels of activity. And you can juggle lighted torches or throw knives with precision? Of course not. Well then, do you not think it wise that we get up and about and practice while you can blame any mistakes on weakness from the illness? Ah, do you think by practicing I can engage this body's innate skills and actually manage some modicum of performance? Well, we have speculated that the mind and the body both hold separate components of physical skills, such as playing piano or holding a sword. Well, and I was quick to feel at home with a cutlass in my hand. And if we are to fit in with a circus troupe, it seems you must access juggling skills. You are right as always. Shall I bring this packet of throwing knives? There is no time like the present. A circus at rest is a disguised thing. Indolent and unconcerned, its denizens show no hint of the ferocious energy that will be expended as soon as the call to set the show is sounded. As our heroes venture out of the charnel house that is their cramped quarters and onto the open decks that ring the steamboat, they are greeted with lazy waves and head nods from fellow performers and roustabouts. Well, they seem a friendly sort, if not too energetic. Tubbs! And Hildy! So glad to see you two up and about! Thank you, Jenny, and thanks for all you did to help us recover from our illness. Aw, twarn't nothing! I had a friend at the orphanage once that got the cholera. Nobody told me that stuff about that lactate, acid, nor no- Lactic. I- pardon? Lactic. It's lactic acid that helps kill the bacteria. Same and all. I was glad to know there was something I could do to help. Shucks, I was just happy that there was something that I could do to help. Uh, Jenny, Hilda and I were thinking it might be good to get some practice in. You know, shake out the old kinks, hone the old aim. Oh, sure. There's still that spot up in the bow for you to practice. I'll just get your wheel. My wheel? Well, Hildy's wheel. So you can get her strapped up and throw knives. Ah, yes. Uh, well, no. I mean, I, I don't want to start with Hildy on the wheel. I'm mighty shaky, and I would never forgive myself if I put a sticker straight in her out of clumsiness. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Start small, eh? How about a couple of bales of hay to, with the target attached? Oh, that would be splendid. Thank you. I'll go get them then. And Tubbs? Uh, yes, Jenny. 
Is it on account of your sickness that you're being all formal with me? I thought we were friends. Yes, Jenny, I'm sure you and my husband are great friends. But he has been through a trial, you understand. There's a good girl. (laughs) My wife is right, Jenny. I I mean no offense. Thank you for all you continue to do for me. Well, that was impertinent. Oh, don't don't be too hard on the girl. We have no way of knowing what relationship was like for these people before we arrived. There's no reason to create enemies. You would say that. You are a man. This jealous reaction is most unlike our doctor. One can only assume that the relation between these three people was most complicated before the intrusion of death. The doctor is definitely picking up on the emotional dregs of this body's previous inhabitant. They make their way to the forward end of the deck where the boards flare out and create a small open area under the cover of the extended upper deck supported by wrought iron poles. In short order, a couple of roustabouts arrive carrying hay bales, which they stack against the inner cabin walls. Why don't you place those in the bow in the sun? It would be much easier to target from the shade into sun rather than the other way around. You suddenly have so many knives, you're willing to take the chance of chucking a few of them into the drink then, fancy man? Oh, no. You're quite right. The sickness must have scrambled my wits. Here, I brought a dress you can pin on the bales. That will give you an outline to practice around. You don't mind, do you, Hildy? Oh, no, I'm sure it's fine. Well, sure. Uh, If you can't trust Tubbs not to put a hole in your best dress, who can he trust? My best dress, hmm? Yes, one chooses whom to trust and who not to, doesn't one? Uh, Ladies, let's not pick her. Uh, No dress yet, Jenny. I I think I need to just throw a few to loosen the wrists, if you know what I mean. Uh, Run along now. No reason to need to witness my fumbling. If you're sure. I'm sure, lass. Thank you. That girl is impertinent and rude and... Ladies and gentlemen, they are kissing. You are magnificent when you're jealous. What are you doing? Oh, I had an uncontrollable need to kiss you, so I kissed you. If I had to hazard a guess, I would assume these bodies enjoyed a very passionate relationship. Well, that's not... That's just... I don't... Oh, but you do. <laughs> a bright spot of color has risen on your cheeks. Your breathing is shortened and your pulse is racing. You feel it too. Yes, but no. This body feels it. That is not the same as me feeling no, it. Oh, now you're just being unscientific. Unscientific? How? You hypothesize that the consciousness needs a body to exist. You also have theorized that the nerves and muscles of a body work to maintain some measure of the sense of self, skills, reactions, and whatnot. Well, yes, but... If it's possible to consider that a body might remember the feel of a sword or the skill of throwing knives, why then would it be impossible for the body to recall the sensual thrill of a loved one? Uh, Love is not a physical thing. But it is. What the mind feels, the body responds to the body feels, the mind perceives. The two are interlinked. This body obviously lusts after that one. With the two of us strangers or enemies, then we might not respond so strongly to the bodily signals. But you think that since we already hold each other in high regard... For goodness sake, Petra, call it what it is. We love each other. I... but I... You love me. You kissed me. You begged me to come back to you. Well, that didn't work. You didn't... 
No, you didn't know that I kissed you. I dreamed it. I heard you. I felt you. I just thought it might have been my imagination. It only meant that I wanted you back. Because you love me. Uh, No. Well, yes. But you know how I feel about my work. I do. And I respect that. But here now. We have a month with no work obligations. We're in bodies that already gravitate toward each other. What plausible reason can you give me for not indulging our feelings for each other? We will leave the doctor, teetering on the precipice of giving in to her desires, and pause for a word from our sponsor. Hello, listeners. Eddie Louise here, head writer for the Tales of Sage and Savant. I read a lot, and when I pick up a book, I am generally looking for more than distraction. I want a story that ignites my imagination and spurs my brain into action. I want just the kind of fiction published by our sponsor, Edge Publishing. Edge publishes thought-provoking full-length novels and anthologies of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Featuring works by established authors and emerging new voices, Edge is pleased to provide quality literary entertainment in both print and pixels. Books from Edge Publishing are available at your local bookstore and online for Kindle, Kobo, Nook, iTunes, and Google Play. You can view titles and find out about future releases at www.edgewebsite.com. Edge Publishing, when you want writing to spark your imagination. Yes, dear friends, you heard it here. Edge Science Fiction and Fantasy Publishing, for stories that stir your passion for adventure. And now, back to our show. When we left our heroes, they were locked in passionate argument which the doctor has once again managed to work her slippery way out of by reminding the professor of the trouble that will ensue if he cannot manage the feats of showmanship that will be expected of him at the very next port of call. With great reluctance, he has turned his focus towards his task. You are still pulling to the right. I am aware of that, thank you. It is your wrist. You hold the knife as you hold a pen. I think if you were to turn your palm inwards... Petra! It's quite enough help and advice. But this is physics, Erasmus. I can help. No, Petra, you cannot. I understand the physics, but I need to find a way to relax and let this body do what it does. You're not helping in that adorable cotton frock with your hair all wantonly free down your back. I cannot help that my wardrobe choices were severely lacking, and that there was not so much as a single hairpin to be found in our room. I know, love. Still, it might help me work if you were willing to take a stroll. Maybe get to know some of our fellow travelers. After all, we plan to be with them for the next month. We might as well begin to learn how we might fit in. This all feels like a clumsy redirection, but if you need me to leave you alone, I shall. Though she obviously did not want to leave her partner, Sage knew how easily the presence of another could distract from work at hand. She made her way along the deck until she came to the staircase and trod her way upwards to meet the other members of the circus troupe she found herself a member of. The professor continued his practice until his muscles began to respond with fluidity and he found a modicum of control over the knife's trajectory. Tybalt ran I know so well. And how well is that? Well enough to know that you like it when I 
do this. Oh, I do. I mean, I do? Wait, Jenny. I'm a married man. Like that stops us. You know how she is not meeting your needs, not caring if you need attention. I don't think. That's when I like you best. Wait, Jenny. No, no, not now. I am still weak from being sick. But you always say nothing makes you feel better than my kisses. I can make you feel better. Oh, no, Jenny, stop. At this moment, no. If you throw me over, I'll tell Hiram. I'll tell Hiram you abuse me. Who? My boss, Hiram Marks, the equestrian director and personal friend of E.N. Camp himself. I'll tell him, and he'll get you kicked out of this outfit. Jenny, calm down. How old are you? I am 16. Six months older than when you told me 15 was the perfect age for a girl's first experience. Jenny... Jenny, I have done you wrong. Here, let me wipe your tears. There now, you don't need to do anything to please me. I am still caught in a grip of sickness is all. You and I will have to enjoy each other's company in other ways now. We can talk if you'd like. And slowly, choosing his words carefully, the professor walked the girl back from the edge of hysteria with inanities and soft tones. Eventually, she calmed enough to leave him, and he gathered his knives and went back to his own cabin. This is a very colorful group of people we find ourselves amidst, Erasmus. I met Rosa, the bearded lady, Raoul, the aerialist, and Gus, the head clown. Is that nice? Erasmus, what's wrong? Are you feeling sick again? Uh No, no, my body's fine. I, I just discovered... This man is a disgusting cad. What do you mean? Evidently, this wretch is a defiler of children. Erasmus, clarify. According to young Jenny, we are in an extremely graphic relationship. Carnal? You've had carnal relations with that child? Not I, but but at least according to the child and her overly nimble fingers, Tubbs has enjoyed the pleasures of her company many times in every possible manner. That is not right. I owe you an apology, dear friend. Whatever for? I had assumed that it was the true emotions of my consciousness that spearheaded my attraction to you this afternoon. Turns out that I am in the body of a sexual degenerate and I cannot trust the reactions of this form. Oh, Erasmus, that cannot be wholly true. Yes, the biological pull of the body is strong, but 100% of the actions taken are in the realm of the mind. What you will to happen or not happen is entirely in your control. Yes, but this man, this Tubbs is obviously not in control. You are wrong, Erasmus. He was very much in control. And he is dead. No longer in a position to wield this body as a weapon against young girls. You can simply choose to act differently. Not to be indelicate, but this body did respond to the child. It grew Tumescent. Physical responses are the province of biology, a sort of ready-when-you-are mechanism. But if you were not ready... Not at all. She threatened to expose my actions to the bosses. Is that the only reason you stopped? No. She threatened because I stopped. <laughs> Do you see? Mind over biology. Easy enough for you to say. Uh, let's talk of happier things. Uh, tell me about our new compatriots. 
And so the two settle in to a more comfortable discussion of their new compatriots and set aside the subject of sexual tension expressed and otherwise until another time. Will the doctor and professor finally come to a physical understanding of their love? Will they succeed in becoming active and successful performers in Camp's Grand Southern Circus? We'll find out in the next episode of The Tales of Sage and Savant. The Tales of Sage and Savant is a twin star production brought to you on the first of each month from our Southern California studios. Starring Eddie Louise as Sage, Chip Michael as Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Abigail, and Justin Bremer as the narrator. Soundtrack music, sound design, and audio engineering by Chip Michael. Special music in this episode was provided by Nathaniel Johnstone Band. Check them out at nathanieljohnstone.com. We would like to extend our gratitude to this month's sponsor, Edge Science Fiction and Fantasy Publishing. Episode 205A, Circus of Dreams, was written by Eddie Louise. Are you interested in the historical and scientific information we included in this episode? Like us on Facebook, or check out our website, sageandsavant.com, to find the facts behind the fiction. And finally, as always, we urge you to remember that death is no barrier to science. <laughs>